Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Alien Covenant, directed by Ridley Scott and released in 2017. The plot of Alien Covenant goes something like this. The crew of a colony ship on a mission to terraform a remote planet receive a signal from a potentially habitable world. And at this point, we will sound the spoiler warning on this movie. Uh, If you haven't seen Alien Covenant and you want to, maybe come back after you have. Yeah. So this is the uh, sixth sixth movie in the Alien franchise. We believe Um, so. The second prequel, which is a sequel to the first prequel, which was Prometheus, which, as we all know, was a very, very terrible movie. And I didn't even watch. It came out about five years ago. Yeah, it was a terrible movie with a great trailer. Um, <laughs> but so this movie follows on from what happens in Prometheus, which shouldn't be too huge a spoiler, but it, like, it, it decide, they decided to, uh, rather than completely not acknowledging Prometheus and going back to what was good about Alien, continue to acknowledge that Prometheus exists and thereby not go back to what was good about Alien, mm. which is one of my biggest problems with it. It's just really frustrating to watch them like just completely dissect all the cool stuff. Yeah, I watched the original Alien last night for the first time and I think, I believe we've talked about it on the podcast before, we definitely talk about it in an episode that hasn't come out yet um, on the movie Life, which we saw a couple of months back that we haven't had time to release. But I hadn't seen Alien because I was going to be, I was worried that I would be scared of it. Anyway, I finally watched it last night and then watched this afterwards, which is um, <laughs> interesting because all I can see is how Ridley Scott has misunderstood the things that people love about the original Alien and he kind of it's kind of like he knows the bits people like, but he kind of hasn't quite grasped what people like about them. So this movie has not one but two chestburster scenes because he's like, well, everybody loves the chestburster scene. And not only does it have two chestburster scenes, they're much gorier and bloodier and whatever than the first one. But the thing people like about the chestburster scene isn't that it's gory and bloody and blood goes all around the room. The thing people like about the chestburster scene is that it's unexpected. Yeah. And it comes after you think he's safe and that he's gotten away from the alien. He's going to be all right. And um, that's why it's so terrifying. But not just that. It works so well as well because he didn't tell the actors what was going to happen. Mm. Like the, one of the reasons why it's so effective is because it's a genuine shock to everybody mm-hmm. and it's freaky and terrifying and weird and, and like grotesque and body horror and mm. stuff. But like when it's all grotesque and body horror and stuff, it just kind of washes over you. It's just kind of funny. And also we've seen the chestburster before. Mm. We've seen it in Alien. We've seen it in the previous, all the all the five sequel prequels. So you've got to find something new to do and with it. Yeah, you've got to kind of make it different. But it's not just the chestburster. There's other bits as well that hark back to the original but don't quite capture the essence of it. Like in the original they quite cleverly use um, shaky cam and stuff to kind of show a sense of <laughs> terror and what's going on. But you've got a really good sense of, the ship and how it works and you've got to, and you know who your characters are in a way mm. that you don't. That's another thing about this one, actually. Sorry, we're just going to start with lots of complaints. I do apologise. No, that, that, but, but that makes the, sense. This wasn't a good movie. No. This and, wasn't and a good movie. This, it wasn't as this, bad as Prometheus because Prometheus mm. was really bad um, and really frustrating. And this at least had some moments where there were scary things going on. You actually cared about people. There were things that were genuinely sort of sad or scary or emotional. Mm. Um, and it had a really, really good lead performance from Catherine Waterston, which is something that the last one lacked. Not that I don't like Numi Rapace, but she was wrong for that role. Um, so there were some things that were better in this one. Yeah, but then there were other things like there were just too many, too much cast. Like the cast was way too big. There was like fifteen people or something. But even if even if you do want to have that many people, we need to know who they are before you like start killing them off and send mm. them off to their death. There's this short video, like a trailer or something, that I watched before this came out that has like 
there's all these moments of uh, Catherine Watterson's character, Danny, sitting around, like, playing cards with the other people and talking to Mother and, like, having interactions mm. that were casual. There's none of that in this movie. We don't understand how these people uh, interact. No, we we don't understand her. the relationships between them. We don't understand who they are as people. There's no characterization before they hit the action. Well, we meet, and we meet her when she when her husband dies horribly. When it played in a like a tiny James, <laughs> um, James Franco cameo, which was very random as well. But we just we meet her there. We don't meet her. But see, I feel like it's because there are so many characters that they don't have time to introduce everybody properly. The really good thing about Alien I is that there's seven people. And you meet, you know who they yeah. all are. You, but you could have like a set of the main people mm. and then have like, you know, alien fodder, mm. right? You could have the main characters who we're supposed to care about and then all the other people. The thing that got, like, one of the things that frustrated me most about this movie that's unique to this movie that's never happened before in any of the alien movies, why is everybody married? Mm. It's so weird. Every five lines, it's like my wife, my wife. Yeah, <laughs> every... there's at least three married couples in this, and there's so, four. There's at least four married couples in this, right? Because there's Catherine Waterston and her dead husband, yeah. dead James Franco husband. There's um, Danny McBride and... and his dead wife. Oh, right, yes, there's... and then Jazzy Smollett, yeah, yeah, and his wife, yep. And then there's um. The Captain mm. and Carmen Ajogo, mm-hmm. which is a fun yeah. reunion for the Fantastic Beast stars Carmen Ajogo and, and yeah. Catherine Waterston in this movie, but if, who never exchange any lines between each other because this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. Mm. Yeah, like I sort of understand where they're coming from. If we really were going to colonize other planets, then you might want to send, you know, people who you might want to send people with their partners. There right. might be a good reason. I get reason that to, if it's all the I, colonists. Yeah. But these are the crew of the ship. Right. And it kind of, yeah, it, it makes it too complicated. A traditional sort of movie like this doesn't factor in home lives and wives and partners and whatever. But the other thing it, is you don't, they don't constantly go on about my husband, my husband, my husband. Mm-hmm. It's my wife, my wife, my wife every five minutes. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it's so like, irritating. Yeah, and it's oh, and it's so – and they're all protective of their sexist. Like, yeah. Because, and this one also, again, this is another case of where movies from the 70s and 80s were way less sexist than stuff that comes out now, where they make a big point of like being protective of their wives. And one, Carmen Adrogo stays behind to do some research, and one of the, uh, the younger officers is there. And her husband is like, don't try anything with my wife. Like, it's really. <laughs> yeah. And there's even a random line where Tennessee says to, and I can't remember the actress's name, but she's playing Josie Smollett's wife, where she says, he says, like, sugar tits to her. Like, and they. No, he says that to his wife. So he, oh, this is very, right. it's very it confusing because we like don't that. know who anybody is at that point. Like, we don't know that they're married. It's, and it's all like, right. the, there's other noise going on and it's very hard to hear the dialogue. Oh. He says that to his wife when she's going. His own wife. Okay. And then the. Captain's like, oh, language, and then Jussie Smollett says something about it, and then he's like, would you, you don't want me calling your wife that or some such thing, and then he's right. That's, that that is was the incredibly confusing because he says it, and Jussie Smollett's wife is right next to him at the time, and yeah. it's hard to tell who he's talking to. Anyway, but even even so, that kind of casual sort of misogyny and stuff, it just it, it just felt out of place and weird. But that's the, the the like we've talked about a million times. The really great thing about one of the really great things about the original Alien, which are, there are a lot of, I'm a huge fan of the original Alien. But um, one of the really great things was the script was written with just last names mm. and no genders for the characters. Yeah. So 
like the characters react like people to everything rather mm. than like women or men, <laughs> which yep. is not something that happens in this movie. No, um, oh my god! But all the women are like that. Like the women have like caretaker roles as well. Like I'm a medic. The other one, you know, is um, they all have to do like caretaker type stuff. It's just. <sighs> And that's not – we haven't even gotten started on Michael Fassbender yet. Oh, no. This movie ignores its protagonist for a solid half an hour just to have two Michael Fassbenders drama. Like there's two Dave, there's two robots. There's a Walter playing, and a Dave. Yeah. yeah. The two Fassies, there's so much of it and it's all the mythology that we don't care about. And yet by the end of the movie, I was like, not only was, did the, this movie have like the least twisty twists – of any twist that you've ever seen. Like everybody's yeah, like, oh, that's obviously that's clearly, David that got yeah. off the planet. It's obviously not Walter. It mm. has to be David. And then, then right at the end of the movie, she's like, oh my God, it's David. And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, didn't no see shit. that coming. <laughs> uh. it's, it's so dumb. But uh, the, the you, you want David to survive. Mm. Yeah, because he's fun. But not just that. He's the only smart person in these movies. And that is my biggest 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 problem with this and prometheus in the original alien they are cargo ship crew who have no they're not scientists they have no experience with dealing with this and yet they still deal with it in a way that is much more logical and rational and smart than anybody in any movie since then Mm. right like everything that they do they learn something about the alien and then they proceed to like try and solve that mm. problem, right? Yep. You learn that the acid drips through the ship and all this sort of stuff. So and then they try to cut the alien. Right. Yeah. All of this stuff is thing, the th- these are things that are set up mm-hmm. and then pay, pay off. off. In the following movies, they never learn anything, they're never smart. They never and figure these things the out. The aliens aren't revealed to us either in the same way because that, that reveal of the alien blood that cuts through the hull of the ship. That isn't a really effective reveal. We don't get that in this film. All we see is the alien's attack and um, Walter puts his hand up and loses a hand because he gets hit by alien blood because he's trying to protect Which is so hard to follow because it's all shaky cam and hundreds of cuts. You have to be watching for that. You have to know that. And there's no setup. We're expected to know everything. Everybody who sees Covenant is is expected Mm. to have seen, like, at least the original alien Mm. and Prometheus. In order to understand Covenant, mm. you are expected to know the mythology of the aliens. Well, I haven't seen Prometheus, which they are aliens, I by the way. To follow along relatively well. Um, the aliens, the form of that the alien takes is called the xenomorph, but mm. they're not aliens. It's a like it's a bio- biological life form. No, it's a it's a bio weapon. It's a biological weapon. Mm. It was developed as a biological weapon. We learned in Prometheus, but it's not an alien. So even the title's a misnomer. <laughs> Technically, there were aliens in this because we get to see the destruction of the Observer homeworld, mm. um, which was another thing that was invented in Prometheus. And, and like, I was kind of sad by that, saddened by that part as well because this is really cool bit where they walk into the Observer, like former Observer. I don't know town hall or whatever yeah. it is and they're all dead and yeah, charred on the ground and everywhere. you freaked out and you don't know what's mm. happened it would be so much cooler if like the reveal of that was a little creepier rather than just showing us mm. that it happens in a flashback in the middle of a scene that only david is slashing back to and he hasn't been a pov character up until now mm-hmm. it's like why why is this happening this is stupid yeah and it, it, because of the whole it, whatever reason probably because Mike Fassbender is an excellent actor or whatever. Yeah. Ridley Scott gets absolutely obsessed with Fassy and all the Fassy bits. And it drags in the middle too. So badly. Especially with God. the two of them. Like nothing happens for like an hour. There's a, a solid 10-minute scene of them trying to play a recorder, which, <laughs> by the way, contains the best 
line Nobody of else laughed. the entire film where Evil Fassy says to Good Fassy, I'll do the fingering. <laughs> and we both, in our usual fashion, <laughs> snorted and none of the rest of the cinema did. No, there were so many moments in this movie where I was like, how are other people in this cinema taking this seriously? This is a joke. Like lots of them. But yeah, there's that bit. And then, and then in one of the greatest movie moments in like Silver Screen Queen's viewing history, the number of times that we've been watching a movie and there's been two guys really close together talking and I've gone, make out, make out, and it hasn't happened. Has been many. It has never happened. It is an unprecedented event until, until this, this movie, movie. When Michael Fassbender is talking to himself <laughs> and they're really close together and I was like, make out, make out. And then Fassie kisses himself. That has never happened before. Never. This is the first time in, in Silver Screen Queen's history that I've been watching a movie. In the history the of make us out going chant. to movies and Katie Channing make out dates back to well before the start of this podcast in 2013, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And when the movie is so silly that the silly things that we shout at the screen come true, <laughs> I mean. Well, no, I'm not complaining. Um, and he, yeah. Like getting to watch Fassie make out with he, himself is probably the best thing that came out of this yeah. movie. Yeah. I'm getting. Oh, my God. What a. Like. At the end, there are thousands of special effects people and I was just thinking the thing that you were thinking in the Lego movie, which is why all these people worked really hard to make this look good, to make all these special effects, but they were all of them were let down by this shitty script. And this I didn't even think the special effects were that good though. Like yeah. part of the original Aliens appeal is that all of those things were practical. Mm. Whereas this one, stuff. everything is CG and it looks CG, especially mm. the baby aliens that like the little – Baby ones that hatch out of the people through the... And also, it's so hard to follow what the alien... Like, there's all these different mutations of the yeah. alien. So, there's, like, the spores that get into you and then you immediately hatch like a... a not hatch, but, like, a, immediately a little one comes out of you somewhere. Like, but it doesn't have to come do the chest burster thing. But then there's another one that's, like, the face hugger and then No, that, no, the, the, the ear... The little bug things do lead to the chest bursters. Both. No, they don't. The chest burster... <laughs> So or the chestbuster is an actually different is actually a different type Which of is alien the, comes from the face hugger. Yeah, that, so the the chestbuster is the xenomorph that comes from the face hugger. Yeah, yeah, that's the one we're most familiar. Yes, with. Yes, I love by the way the original chestbuster. It comes out with a look on its face that is very reminiscent of my cat when he's two minutes late being fed his dinner. <laughs> it's got this face that's like these teeth are like. <laughs> well, that's one of the things that's so great about it. it. I mean, it plays on the the fear of like women giving birth and things mm, like mm. that. That's what it plays on. But there's this like all of the worst things about a newborn baby combined without any of the good yeah. things. You know, it's creepy. It's covered in blood. blood it's, it's a parasite screaming in your body. Yeah. yeah Which yeah. is what something, something that Prometheus tried to play on more by making Elizabeth Shaw actually pregnant with one of the aliens and mm. then like – try to get a c-section and oh my god this is it's, it's such a terrible movie um not the point it's also this moment in that movie where you know the really big ship the big c c-shaped ship yeah yeah with yes all i can think of when i look at that ship now is the scene where charlie's theron and numi rapaz are running away from it and it's falling and it's like because it's that c-shape it's falling like on mm. top of them literally all they have to do is run left or run right. <laughs> and they keep running straight ahead <laughs> until oh. Lumi Rapaz right at the last moment is like, oh, and like jumps to the side. And then Charlize Theron gets crushed oh my by the God. ship that she could have just dodged by going sideways. 
It's the dumbest thing. <sighs> it's the Prometheus school of running away from things. And it is the dumbest thing, I think. And like, a lot of the stuff they do is really dumb. Like, yeah. scientists taking their helmets off to look at things. In this oh, one, um, the captain with his bare hand touches one of the, the pods that get John Hurt in the original. Right. But also, he does that after David, who they clearly can't trust, is like, yeah. go on, touch it. It's safe. And you're like, why are you why? so stupid? <laughs> God, how stupid can you be? But also the ecologist, Carmen Ejogo's character, mm. goes off to like, she's like, oh, this is a good spot where I can like find out about the ecology of this place. Wanders around just touching things in this alien world. And like when the fr- when her like protector guy gets sick with an alien virus, grabs him and is all over him and lets him cough all over her. Mm, and I'm like blood all over her. What? You're a scientist. Yeah. Do it, sciencey things. But even down to the bit where they land on this planet and – it's an alien planet, and they think it might have the right environment for. You know, I was sitting there watching it, going, "Is there air? You don't know." Yes. No. This is where I was going with this. They d- nobody goes out in a spacesuit. Nobody tests the air before they, they just open the gates, and everybody walks out helmetless, gloveless. No, they have gloves on, but they're completely helmetless. They keep taking them off. I remember them having gloves on because they, they keep taking them walk off. out of the ship yeah sure why not this world seems okay the only person who's smart about any of that is faris she's the wife of tennessee right mm, mm. yeah the pilot but she's portrayed she's as the being, pilot i mean she's portrayed as being like paranoid and stupid for trying to do these mm-hmm. things <laughs> as opposed to again and then also she gets blood all over her and then continues to try and do the quarantine things and then blows herself up so she's like the least competent person Ugh. in this movie of total incompetence yeah i know god that was annoying too when she's got blood on her face and she quarantines um Carmen Ajogo and the other and, guy and at that point Carmen Ajogo actually didn't have any blood on her because she'd only gotten some on her jacket and she'd taken the jacket and off so she was quarantined with this guy and she runs off and she's got blood on her face and she's going back up to the cockpit and back again and oh my god. It's all right. We get to watch her burn to death. So Yeah. It's also, a- the women all die first. <laughs> like they kill off three – they kill off – who they kill off? They killed off like the guy that went with her but then they killed off three women in a row before they killed another guy. Third woman though that died because there's two on the ship. Who's the um, third? The head floating in the in the oh, in the bowl yes. that we saw like twenty different times. Oh, honestly, again, so that's another example of taking something from the original people loved, which is Ian Holmes' talking head. Yeah, and then just being like, "Oh yes, people definitely liked the fake head floating around." No, that's not what people liked. It was it was good the first time, maybe not the next three times you shot it. But also in the last movie, David got his head cut off. Oh, of course, and was a talking head. That's what he's talking about with her rebuilding him. And I'm like, from what? Yeah. He was a head in a bag, um, and <laughs> which was always made me think of um, Angel when Lorne's head got cut off and it was in the bag and it was talking, but that was played for laughs. Mm. But, but the, I mean, that's kind of the thing, though, about Ian Holmes' head talking in the first one even. There is kind of a comic element to it, and there's also like you see you, – firstly, you see Ripley's sort of ingenuity, resilience, sort of ability to kind of work things out. Yeah. So that's the important part of that scene is not – so much that it's her working things out and using the tools yeah, it, that she has to it sets up something about mm. the character that is important for later and it, yeah actually yeah. while also being interesting and emotionally and people relevant. enjoyed it because there was a cool severed head thing and it had he had all this cool makeup all over him but that wasn't the main point yeah i think that the, the problem is uh, so much of this stuff doesn't go anywhere either we we like the, all of these things, yeah. each scene should be relevant to the plot and move the movie forward in some way. But this movie stalls for ages. It just stalls. It doesn't move the plot anywhere. We don't know who we're supposed to be rooting for. 
also the the um the alien the version of the alien that looked like something out of a um Silent Hill game the fleshy one that that's the one that bursts out of the back and yeah like that that's not a xenomorph yeah or I mean I don't know if they're all xenomorphs it's a different sort of character yeah but it's a different alien right mm. it's not like it's so generic I felt like I'd seen that mm. exact model before <laughs> and that was like that that was also really kind of silly and not scary no because like, it was so stupid bloody it was it was like the Gronguignol kind of horror it was just yeah. like blood everywhere and they and they do kind of there's a couple of funny bits where both Carmen and Jogo and um and the captain lady I don't remember her name they both come running into Paris. both run into the um the sick bay to do something and slip on blood that was good that was funny yeah right that works well but the bit where the actually the thing actually bursts out of his back is just kind of stupid you, you can see it's not really him there like you can it's all he's kind of floppy and it looks yeah, you know, I felt that a lot actually. That it doesn't, the movie doesn't even look that good a lot of the time. Like the original Alien looks so good, mm. though. I'm, I mean, I keep comparing it to that, but it is the night. It's a 1979 movie, and it is gorgeous. And it the, is gorgeous. Do you know it's why? So atmospheric. The, cr- and the credits are short as well. There's not a lot of special effects in there. It's practical effects. They used like literal blood and guts to make all the alien. Like they're made out of shellfish and sheep's livers and all kinds of random crap but you've also got these beautiful big sweeping shots of space Mm. where the light just there's like three fingers of light coming in from the left or there's the beautiful the shot the establishing shot in alien of the big c-shaped ship they come upon it in the dark and the ship is slowly revealed and there's three tiny lights for the three um Mm. crew members who have found it gorgeous shot and really it tells a story yeah whereas you see it here and you see the ship and you're like oh yes i recognize that ship from the other movies yeah and that is that's the whole point of it yeah exactly it's not like oh that's a beautiful ship oh isn't that cool there's 17 people in camo gear marching towards this ship well that's what i thought it was tr- maybe trying to go for more of like a war movie type aesthetic but it never tried that hard enough to make it work yeah that could have worked well that could have been interesting Mm. like an alien war movie right it could have been interesting Mm. but they never it's never pushed hard enough to really be effective Mm. it's just so frustrating it's so frustrating like and and it's so disjointed and it doesn't really know and this is the problem which which is this is the problem with where we are in the franchise now Mm. is that you've got one thing that's totally separate from the other thing and you don't really like they don't feel connected and you don't really know who you're supposed to be rooting for or like because the original one you know you know you root for the the people mm. you know you root for the people you you want the people to win mm-hmm. you want them to survive and this alien is just a mindless like killer destroyer yeah and but this the, one the machines that, are also not on your side so you're going for the humans well yeah the, there's actually a whole thing where like every second movie there's a good robot <laughs> so every first there's the bad one and then the good mm. one and then the bad. so the second one had um bishop who was played by um, Lance Henriksen, mm. and he's a good robot, but they don't trust him because of some of the stuff that's happened before. And mm-hmm. like, it it takes a while for Sigourney Reaver to trust him because of what happened with Ash in the first one, which is great. <laughs> that's great, right? Like, mm. that's good characterization, and it, it means that the good robot being good means something. It does mean something here too, actually, because it's Walter versus David, yeah. like the good and bad side of basically the same mm-hmm. character. And like, David actually is interesting like the concept of david is interesting i can see why they got so distracted by him yeah because but it's not alien it's got nothing to do with it's in in fact it's star trek 
is what it is. It's the kind of thing yeah, it's Star data Trek lore, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> the kind Trek. of thing Star Trek does all the time with its um, Android slash hologram type characters is taking like you know wh- what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to create a life form? You know how 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 are we formed by our circumstances? It's fascinating, but it's what you do in a Star Trek episode. Yeah, and there's so much of it. There's so much, and yep. I get that Fassi is good, like and he is good. He's good in this. He does a really good job of differentiating Walter and David. Mm. He does a really good job of like portraying David's frustration with humans mm. and why he does all the things. And it all makes sense, right? Like yep. you can see why David became this like crazy mass murderer because it's he 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 destroys who his creator him. and the yeah. creators of his creator and kills off all of the observers in one thing, which was the whole point of the last movie. But anyway, but he you can see why he's doing these things and mm. what he's doing them for he's an interesting character but it just doesn't feel like alien at all and it doesn't look like alien either you were talking before about how the special effects aren't even that good and i think the thing is it's just kind of generic looking Mm. it looks like it looks a bit like the dracula movie we watched a couple of years ago it looks a bit like the warcraft movie it looks a bit like any number of like big hundred billion dollar blocks it looks a bit like 300 it could be any like big that's not really fair. Three hundred has a definite aesthetic. Yeah. So maybe not quite, but it it doesn't look interesting. No. You, whereas you can look at any frame of Alien and know that that's from Alien. Yes, and it's like the the way that he used light and the way that he used like this you know sterile white inside of the ship versus the blackness of space mm-hmm. and how the alien is black and then you see Sigourney Weaver wearing the white underwear versus the black mm-hmm. alien at the end of the movie. Like it's all. There's design elements that are there for a purpose. All of that means something. Actually, actually, you bring up the costuming is a good point too because that's another thing the original does well. The humans are in like really crappy white underwear because they're a cargo crew out in the middle of nowhere and they have been for so long and they live together forever. And the way they dress kind of reflects where they live. These guys are just like in sort of this quasi-military uniform thing that somebody thought looked cool. Yeah, there's not a lot of thought that goes into the characterization of these people or into the uniforms or into the outfit. Mm. Like, there's not, it just doesn't feel like all of that work and care and thought has gone into making this. You know, it doesn't feel like they've, they've really, it doesn't feel like he really cares about any of that it, stuff. It also makes one of my sci fi faux pas, which is that it, it expects that a person on a ship or 90-odd years from now, will instantly recognise a song from the 1970s. Well, I mean, there are plenty of people now who would recognise songs from, like, 90 years ago. What's 90 years ago? 1937. There's heaps of songs that we know from the 30s. I would maybe be able to name one. Really? If I was lucky. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't I don't really know songs of uh, songs of the 40s like, I might do better at. Songs of the 30s, songs of the 20s, not really. Yeah, but okay, so songs of the 40s though in 10 years are going to be and we've had record that's what I mean. Since, no, but this is just like Star Trek when they try and have somebody like the, where they have these unusual interest in 1950s cars and shit. It no, that is, was silly. I get it. I think this is it's silly. And yeah, I, I don't think I don't think being interested in songs from ninety years ago is that surprising, or even a hundred years ago. Once you've got the recording and stuff, like there are people who we recognise odd to me. We recognise classical music that's from yeah. So we recognise hundreds Va- of Wagner, years ago, which is actually is, is like whatever it is, one hundred and thirty odd years from our time. But I think it's 
I don't know. It seems different to me that you'd remember you would specifically know John Denver like that. It's one of those things that annoys me in Star Trek and annoys me in this. I don't think that I don't find that very. It depends on like how far into the future it is and like what you would think of. But this is a country guy, right? So like the if you know that he would know the important songs in country music from forever ago. Like we we know songs from a long time ago. We do. We recognize them. If you are somebody who is interested in jazz, you will know a lot more of the 30s songs probably, right? So he is the country guy. That's his whole role. That's what he's a husband and a country guy. And that's yeah, it. His name's, his name's Tennessee. Tennessee. <laughs> he wears a cowboy hat. All Danny McBride does in this movie is be country. Anyway, all that that does is annoy me. Well, I I mean, I get it for him. Like, that's his whole purpose. But, yeah, there's plenty of other things in this movie to worry about. Um, yeah, actually, plenty no, of other you know what things. else other characterization annoyed me? The Billy Crudup. Randomly, he seems to be religious or something. Because yes. a couple of times that really heavy-handedly. Somebody's, couple of times. Literally every single scene he's in has the like, word faith. Oh, people don't trust you because you have – like, it's so – heavy-handed it's so anti-progressive as well it's kind of like it's it's like a reactionary old man's idea of what 100 years from now will be like you say that but he's punished for that he's punished for faith because that he just believes in david and he goes off and he dies for that he's punished for that everybody gets punished for everything that they do in this movie (laughs) jesse smollett and his wife have sex in the showers and are punished for it like we're in a 90s teen slasher movie god it's so unprogressive that's so silly but that's what i mean like everybody gets punished you go and help somebody who's dying get punished for it Mm. shouldn't do that go save yourself and that happens a lot too and then faris gets punished as well for being for trying to yeah for for no for like being scared and not Mm. helping she gets punished for that so you can't help but you also can't not help because you'll die on either way the only Mm. the only good person to be i think in this franchise is david Mm-hmm. Or Ripley. Yeah. And then Ripley ends up impregnated by the aliens. And anyway, it's a whole thing. <laughs> and yeah. bald. But yeah, the, the way that this movie works with that kind of like, it just, it's just so not what the movies are supposed to be, what the original yeah. alien is about. It's gone so Ooh. far from that. Yeah. But there were things I liked better than Prometheus. I think the strongest thing this movie has going for her is Catherine Waterston's so good in it. Mm. She's so good in it. She kills everything she has to do she acts scared but she also acts tough she acts upset that her husband is dead and you mm. actually care about this like dead james franco character yeah. um, and because she, she does work for that because not all of us have seen the little videos that you saw of her actually having scenes no. before that all we see is a horrible death of james franco and then that's where we start with her and so she has to do all this work to get us on her side well they take weeks to get to that planet mm. right weeks it takes them weeks to get to that planet and it, we get no montage of that happening. I thought there would be a montage of them hanging out. We'd get to know the characters yeah. a little bit. But no, they had to skip that in order to have half an hour with David and Walter. Um, no, and then again, like, it's just not the way you build a team. But also, who are we – the movie needs to decide whose side it's on, who we are going for in this movie, who is its main character. If its main character is Catherine Waterston, develop her more, put her in the scenes, follow her. If the main character is David, introduce him earlier. And I think. Oh, they from, do right at the beginning, but then we don't see him. From for ages. the way it ends, it seems like David is the main character. David exactly. wins this movie. Yeah, exactly. David is like the guy that we, clearly we're supposed to be rooting for him. Yeah. You kind of are as well. Yeah. But like the the thing is that's he we don't see him again until like like a third of the way into the movie. No, and it's, the very long movie, by the way. Yeah. Like really long. 
Mm-hmm. She, and, you know, they give Catherine Waterston all these heroic moments and then just waste them mm. as well. Like when Ripley had her heroic moments, she had the heroic moments. They didn't then like take it away from her immediately afterwards. Mm. But with this one, they do that to Daniels. They take away mm. from her all of her heroic moments. Also, David left them alive. Yep, he did. And sent out a message saying they were still alive. Mm. Surely when they get woken up, she can just be like, oh, this is David. He's evil and he has brought an evil alien that will kill us all on board. Well, I, I don't know. There was something in that last message that he sent where it was going to take 1.36 years to reach Earth. And my presumption, but then again, you have to read this into it, was that he's going to use that time to kind of take over entirely or whatever while they're still in hypersleep. I don't know. Why, but why keep them alive? And send that message back. I don't know. A- apart from to keep in tradition with the other alien movies where she sends off a last transmission, mm. which is what the last one did as well. Yep. And there's some really scary bits too. Like when they're on the planet at the beginning, there's actually some scary stuff. And the, I actually thought that the scene, in spite of some of it being silly, the scene with the um, two women and, and the guy who was infected with the alien virus mm. was really good. And when they blow up at the end of it, it's like mm-hmm. yeah. like scary and creepy and horrifying. And, yeah. Even no, that if it is good. too bloody. It, it, like, mm. There's emotions in that as well. Carmen Jogo wants to get out. She won't let her out. There's, there's tension. Well, there's, with that little moment I mentioned before of people slipping on the blood. It's very human. Yes. The, the, that scene does more to humanize the characters and get you to know who they are than anything that proceeds or follows. Can I point out something else as well? I think there was supposed to be a gay married couple in this movie. Oh. But you cannot tell. There's two guys with accents, right? Mm. <laughs> with like non-American or non-English mm. accents, and I don't know where they are. And they both got like a moustache or a beard. Yep. Those two guys have an exchange on the plane, on on the cargo ship thingy on the way down or the carrier ship mm. thingy on the way down about like, this is why you should do yoga. Those guys? Yes, those two, yep. Right. And then... One of them gets hurt and the other one goes over to help him and then one of the and then he's the one who gets infected by the spore mm-hmm. and then he dies and then the other one is all like kissing up on him and touching a ring on his finger. <laughs> I missed this. I was I think might have been bored at this point. I think they were supposed to be married. Oh right. Well, it would make sense in in line with all the other married couples on this ship. Right, but it would also would have also been really interesting. If, they if we'd like... actually introduced them as characters and we knew who they were. Or and also, if at any point they'd given them some of those terrible my husband, my wife yeah, lines. And but I no. wasn't paying attention to that scene, really, because we already had a scene where one of those things burst out of a guy. So I kind of knew what was just happening. Just before. Yeah. Just before. It just happened. So I'm like, well, I know what's going to happen here. We don't right. need but that, this. That, like they set it up so that you didn't have to know that that like yeah. that the chestburster bit was the important bit of this scene. It was the like that it was running around and they were trying I, to I, find for it. For whatever reason, at this point, I was bored. I was like, <laughs> we know what's going to happen here. Let's move on. Right. It's yeah. But I think the only like the only reason that I specifically remember that was because I was like, oh, is he going to talk about my wife now? Mm. <laughs> like th- this guy's died because like this is every yeah. line. In the movie, because there's no exposition, there's no time to actually develop the characters, almost every line out of the characters' mouths is about their one characterization, like my, my wife. wife. My faith. My, my, my wife, my faith, my dead husband. Yeah. Actually, that's Catherine Waterston didn't get as many lines as everybody else. It's probably a good thing because it meant that she could just act and tell us what was happening <sighs> rather than having to say terrible lines. Mm. There are a lot of terrible lines. It's very badly so written. So bad. Actually, before we saw this movie, the trailer for Pirates 5 came up Mm. and I was watching that 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching that trailer. This movie feels very similar to that very long trailer that we watched. It was like just 
this endless nightmare. But that's kind of what Alien feels like at this point as well. Like it's mm. it's so far, you know, it's so stop. far turned back on. Just yeah, exactly. Stop. Just stop. Or completely restart and throw away everything that's come before. Yeah, do something completely different. Explore another part of the universe. Well, that's what Prometheus did. It's just that it's so bad, mm. right? Like this tries to bring it back in line with what the original Alien was. This is more of a hybrid between mm. Prometheus and Alien. Yeah. Because Prometheus was nothing like Alien, like at all. And this one is it, – it brings it back a little bit. You get some of Catherine Waterston and Danny McBride running around the ship trying mm. to find where the Alien is. Yeah. Um, You get some of like actual – like scary tension occasionally, yeah. But there's none, no build like the original. There's and that that atmosphere, that nervous, like smoky atmosphere of of massive, massive spaces and tiny, like not very many people mm-hmm. trying to deal with this and like tight spaces where the the aliens hiding and, and, and the, yeah, the the way the ship is designed, where ever you actually get the sense of pe- people live right up on top of one another, and so you get a sense of of how they relate to each other and where the tensions are and, and the turning of, you know, the benign spaces where they all work every day into these scary dark corridors and, you know, places where things could be hiding. It's brilliant. Right. Then you watch this one and like also, you know, you're watching Tennessee and the couple on the ship, but you don't know anything about that couple. Mm. What do we know about those two people apart from they're married to each other no. and they're trying to stop Tennessee and from doing stupid things? One of things. them is played by Josie Smollett, who was like the one reason I kept watching Empire as long as I did. Because um, I think he's sweet. Oh, okay. I, and I, if you didn't know that, if you don't know who either of those actors are, you're just like, oh my God, why? Why do I care about you people? I don't know. It's It's just... I had so many other feelings as well and I can't remember them all. A lot of the supporting actors are, like, not as strong. Like, I get that they want to cast them as, like, not famous Mm, people, mm. right? But they're also not very good. The girl on the ship was just not very good. All of her lines were read exactly the same Mm -hmm. way. And I feel like they only cast her because she said she'd get naked for that one scene. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's, like I said, 90s slasher horror or like Mm. 80s slasher horror type stuff, not high-quality alien what you'd expect, you know. Whereas the original – and and there's like – they all – kind of look similar a lot of them kind of look similar as mm. well the supporting cast whereas like in the original one everybody no they're not models they don't but everyone look is like different. actors and everybody looks different they mm. look like a crew a cargo crew yeah they look like they the do. crew of like this like I, I remember looking at it and thinking there's two you know very well-known english actors in it and i know it reminded me of the conversation that i cut out of our um of the podcast we did recently about you know actors who look like real people and i and i was thought of it while watching alien i was like they've got normal teeth They've got mm. British teeth, and even well, the, that's what we. But have. even the supporting actors, even like Tom Skerritt and the other supporting actors in the in the original cast, they've all kind of a bit grizzled looking. Well, there's that woman who, um, like I can't remember oh, her yeah, name the right other, now, the but other she's so great. She it. does a lot of horror movies. Yeah, she's and got, she's so good. Mm. And, um, and she doesn't. She's not like conventionally attractive or anything. She's yeah. looks interesting. Right, exactly, and that's. I mean, you know, she does get typecast as a lot of in a lot of horror movies. But she but can do that thing with her eyes. Yeah, the, <laughs> she's got those big eyes. But yeah. yeah, it's the it's those kinds of that kind of casting that you're looking for. Um, and Catherine Waterston is perfect in that mm. regard as well. Because we were talking about before the movie about how I always think she's British because she looks like a normal person. But she does. She's not sort of. And, and not like that she's unattractive, that she just doesn't look like a movie star. Yeah. She's tall. She's like got a small face. She doesn't look like what everybody else looks mm. like. And she's great. She's 
great. Mm. And and I think that was definitely a Sigourney Weaver thing as well, where they were like, oh, we cast Sigourney Weaver, nobody knew who she was. She's tall. Mm. <laughs> She's got dark hair. Um, I mean, and she doesn't look like everybody else. And she doesn't look like everybody like, else. She had the, the big frizzy curls and she was like kind of boyish looking and things yeah. like that. So yeah, that that's what mm. they were doing with Catherine Watterson. It works really well, I think. It's she's she's mm. very good, but also she's so relatable. She feels like a real person in this mm. situation in a way that Billy Crudup does not. No, he just feels like he was he he feels like he wasn't put there as a character. He was put there because there were certain lines that the writer wanted to put in his mouth, or and then the, certain things he wanted he, they wanted him to stand in for. And then Fassie feels like he's in a different movie most of the time. Mm. Not yeah. at the beginning, actually, when he's Walter. He actually fits in quite well. Mm. And the the scene where Daniel's Catherine Waterston is talking about building the cabin mm. and Walter relates and, and is sympathetic mm. is really good. And that does feel a little Star Trek-y, but also really good. Like you see that kind of the humanity coming through mm. the robot. Mm. It's it's a really good scene. Yeah. More of that would have been great. Well, because uh, there's really – we really hardly build that relationship between the two of them, and it's actually a really interesting one. And it works really well because they're two—they're the two they're best the actors, actors in the movie. Mm. So when they're together, it works well, and you can feel the shift in the relationship when she's with David later, mm. right? Like, so tightening the focus on that mm. would have been really a good idea um, because it works nicely. It's—it's mm. a—it's an effective relationship, and you feel that friendship that she has with Walter, mm. and you kind of feel sad when. Walter doesn't come back after saving her again. He doesn't come back. Yeah. And she gets stuck with this fake, like, it, was, it would have also been nice if there was any tension as to whether or not that was Walter. But you it knew was, it was David. No, you, it was very clear. Yeah. And all of his, also, like, they keep doing these things that are supposed to look ambiguous when he's on the ship where, like, the xenomorph, he looks at it in mm. the in the camera and it can see him and then it, like, bashes the camera in. And he jumps back from it and you're like, well, obviously it's because it, like he's now willing to sacrifice this one because it doesn't recognize him as its creator anymore, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have that trust that he created, built with that other one. So now he feels betrayed. So he's happy to sacrifice it. Like there's all these things that it's really, really obvious because we know it's not David. Mm. So we know that his motivations aren't. From the way they get into the ship together and the way he is with her when she's out on the like rope to the top of the ship trying to kill the thing. That was like, a fun scene actually. I liked that was that. a really fun scene. But that's the, that's the very alien too. That's very like, um much like when she's in the big um the way he is thing. with her and even to a degree her response to him. It, but particularly the way he is with her it, to me was very obvious that it was David and not Walter. It's obvious from the moment you see him he looks back over his shoulder and then he runs towards mm. the ship. That's the moment when it's obvious he's not Walter. Yeah. <laughs> the minute actually you know what? It's obvious from the minute they're fighting and David's like, now you have a choice to kill me or not kill me, but he's reaching for a knife, mm. that Walter's going to die and David's going to get back on the ship. Like, there's no – we've been watching movies and TV show for a long time, guys. You can't trick us with this stuff. This is – I kept thinking that, actually, like, about a few of the characters at various times. Have you never seen a movie? Like, why are you letting him on the ship? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, I can get why they let David as Walter on the ship. They didn't even have time to – talk to him mm. or see who he was. They just saw that, that he had the hand cut off and assumed it was Walter. And I get that, you know, mm. that's, that's that scene where David has the long hair and he starts cutting it off while oh singing, God. like from that moment where oh, <laughs> just oh my like, God. wow, okay, this is where we're going with this, is it? Mm-hmm. Crazy. It's so silly. 
Anyway, we should probably wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, I at think some we're point. done. We I could talk we about it for like another yeah, two hours. It's just I a think. funny thing with, with bad movies. There's always so much to dig into as to why it's bad. It's great. Right. Like, and this is, you know, we saw Life recently and this is so much yeah. like that. And so, yeah, the Life episode will come out eventually, but this will probably come out first. So, I might, which one's worse? I don't know. I actually think this one's probably going to come out worse for me. But I can't. At I, least life doesn't have a lot of like stupid. I feel like I gave life something like two and a half, and I suspect I'm going to give this two. So I, I think we went lower. On, but yeah, mm. I, at least life didn't have a lot of like stupid mythology to get through. Mm, yeah. That was the problem. That really weighed this movie down is all that mythology. So much of it that also, we just don't care. Our main character is Jake Gyllenhaal in, in life. In life, yeah. But you know, this one it's essentially Catherine Waterston, so mm. she's great. And Danny McBride survives the movie. Mm. for some reason. Danny McBride, it's weird watching Danny McBride in this movie as well because he's a comedian. Oh. Um, he was in Pineapple Express and all that. Like he's, right. Yeah, right. which is probably why the James Franco cameo is in there. Mm. He's They're friends. That's yeah. what he's largely done up until now. Oh, okay. like yeah. comedy. And he's not great in this anyway, but that's not really his fault. I think he does fine with the role that he's given. It's just such a no- nothing role, you mm. know. Oh, yeah. All he has to do is go, my wife, I'm a country well, bumpkin. My wife, like I know Billy country songs. He, his character feels like it was put there for because it needed to be a vehicle for lines and certain traits. Yeah. And just it doesn't make for compelling characterization. And like, what can you tell me about Carmen Ajogo's character as a person? She likes plants. Like... She's married. No, no, no. She would have made a better captain than Billy Crudup because she was like advising him and right at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning. She seemed in order to establish the relationship, so that we know that all the women in this movie belong to a man. Yeah, she seemed to know her way around managing a crew much better than he did. Yeah, that. Yeah, actually, the only woman I can think of in this movie that wasn't explicitly married is Rosenthal. I can't believe I remember her name, but the the dead face floating in the water. Oh yeah, yeah. She's the only woman we, who's not explicitly married. I didn't know married. her name. I didn't even realize there was another girl on the ship until she was about to go and die. Yeah, I didn't either because they don't establish anybody. Because they have too many people. Yeah. They're, they talk about like they've lost five people when they go into that ship. Mm. And I'm like, who are the five people? I Oh, no. they, they Yeah, there are five. But what about, weren't there more other people than that, that went with them then? I don't know. Because, yeah, I now think there were five because there were the three yeah, that no, blew up on five. the ship. That wasn't wrong. The beardy guy mm. that died and um, – No, can't think of who the fifth one was. Probably in one of the fights at some point maybe. I don't know what's happening. I can't remember. Anyway. The fights are so hard to f- follow, mm. so hard to follow that you have no idea what's going on. Mm. I, the other movie I thought of a bit when I was watching this was Kong Skull Kong Kong Skull Skull Island. I did too. Similar. And how much better this yeah. is. That it, was. Just because um, a lot of the stuff when they were on the pla- like on the planet, when they were like running around and mm. shooting at it yeah. and they didn't know where it was and some of the kind of uh, that war movie type thing yep. that they kind of almost did a little bit. I was yep. thinking Kong Skull Island does this so much better. Yeah. They, I, Kong yeah. Skull Island shifts away from what it used to be and goes into a Vietnam War movie style things are, and, and does it really effectively. Yeah, and it has things that are genuinely surprising and genuinely scary and yeah. Yeah, whereas this movie do, like seems like it wants to go in that direction a few times but it doesn't. But you just can always tell where it's going. It's boring. Yeah. So that's why I was thinking of that. Yeah, fair enough. That also has mostly better actors with the exception obviously of Catherine Waterston as Michael mm. Fa- and Michael Fassbender as we have discussed. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Oh, and there's that bit where he says they're waiting for mother. Mm-hmm. And so you know that the whole time mother's like been against them. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You can't trust mother. Like how many have you not watched any of these movies before? Um, yeah. But that was just like 
yeah, yeah. You, you're sort of like, oh God, it's so, it's so. There's no subtlety to this movie either. No, nope. like that whole got go, the gods entering Valhalla mm-hmm. music cue. And the beginning when the David is actually in Guy Pierce's room. We didn't even talk about Guy Pierce. No. Um, uh, but yeah, it no subtlety. But that, that that's what bothers me about the the Tennessee character and the Billy Crudup. There's just no subtlety in either of them. No, and and like you know, all of the women have no like the the four women uh, who aren't Catherine Waterston that like I only remember one of the characters' names. And what what differentiates them between each other? They have different jobs. Hmm. what's their personality what do they like as people what why are we rooting for these people to survive why do we care about any of this Hmm. why do we care about any of this of course we're going to root for david at least we know who he is and what he wants Mm -hmm. and that's another thing and he's fun what do they want characters in a movie have to want something Hmm. what does Catherine waterston want what does billy crudup want what does david want he wants to destroy everybody. Great. We know what he wants. That's a character. That's a person. Mm. That's the only person because we know what their drive is, what they want, who he is. Like, ah. Yeah. So what does she want to survive, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. But Which is not enough. No. To and sustain a character for a movie. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. We should wrap up. What's I'm so distracted by like more problems with this movie. By all the problems with this movie. So what are you going to give it? I'll give it. One and a half stars. Cool. I I think I'll stick with the two, but it's really not good. No, I feel like I could. I mean, I could go up like half a star for because Catherine Waterston was good, but no, don't. No, one and a half stars. That. Yeah. All right. We've. I think we've ranted enough about this movie. So thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to find us on social media, we are at screen underscore queens on Twitter facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.